You're listening to the MKD Podcast. I am your host, D. Miller L. Welcome, everyone. And shout-outs to Argentina. Don't know if you've heard the news, but Argentina is now the second country, um, potentially, I guess at this point, to make Bitcoin legal tender. That's right. New presidential election. Very happy about the announcement. Let's see where things go. Stay tuned. back so let's start off with uh congratulations to argentina and javier mele hope i pronounced that right with his uh presidential win that is awesome for us guys the more safe havens the better uh, as far as bitcoin safe havens there's got to be more of these jurisdictions opening up so glad to see it Um, It's right on time, right? Number go up. More nation states making Bitcoin legal tender is the way. Um, Are you guys hopeful for our upcoming presidential election and getting a Bitcoin or pro-Bitcoin candidate elected? Not really the biggest concern of mine, but uh, would love to see it. Obviously, it would make it easier for Bitcoiners here. But uh, we're going to see. We're going to see how this actually plays out. I think it's uh, it's pretty difficult to know with certainty. But I think that there's a lot of promise. Yes, especially with regards to uh, the Kennedy. Um, looking forward to it. Just Let's see how this all plays out. Hopefully he makes it all the way to the end. And it's not just that early hype that's going on. I understand you guys that there's a, a interview that Bitcoin magazine has done. So you guys, if you've checked it out, get in the comment section. Let me know what you thought about that. Let me know if, what you guys think with regard to the upcoming presidential election here in the U.S. All right. So let's go ahead and get into this one. Number go up part three. Hope you guys enjoyed the first two. If you haven't uh, checked them out, be sure to go back and check those out. Uh, With this one, I want to start with uh, some gratitude. Definitely, I'm grateful for the space. All of the developments that have been going on over the years that I've been in the space. It's been awesome. Uh, It's, you know, built my conviction, right? This is a, a thing. A lot of people are grabbing a hold of it. And I love it. One of the things that I love so much about the space is the uh, open source aspect of the space. If you're new here and you're not tech savvy, open source just means that as opposed to the code being private and you can't see it and you have to buy it like a proprietary software, we'll say like a Microsoft or something, right? This is all open source. So you could literally check it out bet it and even copy it right and and kind of do your own thing with it if you want to build on it or what have you so that's awesome the other thing and this is kind of a little more subtle is the open source aspect of the narrative of bitcoin it's more subtle uh bitcoin again is software but there's it's not a company 
So there's no CEO. So that means there's no one driving the narrative except the Bitcoiners, right? Whoever, I guess, has the greatest influence in the space or the, the great influencers are the ones that kind of drive the narrative. But again, I love the fact that it's open source. You don't, you can actually reject it. You don't have to accept anyone's particular narrative. You can actually create your own. And that's where I find freedom in this space. That's where I find the freedom. It's the freedom to be self-determined. Now, kind of like, let me do a little story time, right guys? I want to talk about narratives. So when I first got into this space, the very first conference, and I talk about this often, guys. The very first conference I went to was at MIT. And while there, uh, they were having a Bitcoin conference. And this was when Vitalik, in fact, was initially pitching Ethereum. Now, of course, I went to a Bitcoin conference at MIT, but they did have Vitalik there, among other people, talking about different aspects of what they were working on in the space. And I have to say, I learned a lot about Bitcoin at that conference. Uh, One of the things, one of the first things that I learned that I had no idea of, I thought Bitcoin was purely a financial play. But after leaving MIT, I came away understanding that some people were using it as a conflict resolution type tool. And at that time, the Black Lives Matter was a huge thing. There was riots across the country. And I thought it would be more advantageous for the people to, you know, use Bitcoin as a way of bringing about change, right? As opposed to rioting and looting and all this kind of stuff, right? The violence. So yes, I learned a lot about Bitcoin at that time. I made a lot of connections at that time. Um, It was great. If you guys are interested, I actually think you can find some of the content that we created way back then on Blog Talk Radio. I think it's under the name House of the Moorish King. If you look that up, you might find about, I don't know, seven, eight, nine episodes. I was actually traveling at the time doing some of that uh, recording. And yeah, it was just a, a capsule in time really awesome but let me speak to again narratives the most interesting narrative at that conference was Vitalik I gotta be honest he had a narrative and you gotta you know be mindful he was initially working on Bitcoin wanted to do some things with Bitcoin and was kind of shot down and decided to kind of go out on his own and create his own project Right, which was Ethereum. And the the narrative that he was describing, it wasn't this world computer that got me. It was this smart contract. It was like this, he was describing like an agent, right? And how the agent would self-execute, you know, when certain conditions were met. And it was just amazing. Uh, in fact, that was when I started my shitcoining. 
<laughs> right? I actually uh, went on ahead. I was so captivated by that narrative. I couldn't help myself. I bought some of the ethers before they were actually issued. Right, like once Ethereum was finally online, you had to log in and then you would get your ethers. So I was one of those. Uh, however, as you guys know, shortly thereafter, um, they had that DAO. And it, you know, was a train wreck. That was when they decided to, it got hacked. Um, if you guys don't know what happened to Ethereum, the DAO was hacked for millions and millions of dollars. And the people were trying to figure out how they could fix this or remedy the situation. Vitalik decided we were gonna run the Ethereum chain back. There was a great fallout. I was among the fallout because you're not supposed to be able to run the blockchain back, right? This just was counter to everything that he initially described about Ethereum. And once we found that they, it was even possible to do, I was done, right? That ended my shit coining days right then, right there. So, hmm. I say all that to say I never lost interest in the ideas that he was putting forth. I just realized I had to wait until those ideas were brought over to Bitcoin. You guys following me on that? Many of these uh, shit coins, these chains, Many of them I used to think of as just test nets, right? When I was initially teaching people about Bitcoin in the earlier days, 2015, 2016, it wasn't a, you know, anti-altcoin or whatever the case may be. We didn't touch them because they were likely a scam is what I would advise. But if what they were doing had any degree of uh, integrity, right? If it, if it actually brought forth any sort of value I definitely always believed it would make its way over to Bitcoin which is where it needed to be for you know game time right mainnet I always considered the altcoins as testnets for these various ideas so again this kind of brings me to where I'm at now right and why I'm so grateful uh, liquid liquid was the Bitcoin response to Ethereum it allowed for people to create these smart contracts without all of the confusion associated with the programming language over there on Ethereum right um, everything everything's there everything's there whether we're talking DeFi right but a peer-to-peer -peer form as opposed to that centralized, centralized form that keeps crashing, right, at these exchanges. NFTs, right? It's just a lot of things that people have been wanting to do, right? And they're doing on all of these alt chains, these altcoins. They couldn't wait, right? They were in a good, it's good for them. I'm glad that there were some people that were actually willing, right? and willing to take that risk of trying out something that could just blow up, right? Become vapor. Now, why is that important? Why am I bringing all this up? I bring all this up because I think folks 
we're uh, we're gonna have to address this issue, right? It's the uh, it's the elephant in the room. So you guys have noticed over the last couple of days that the transaction fees have been through the roof, especially seeing as uh, it looks like the Taproot Wizards, the folks doing inscriptions and ordinals on Bitcoin, they've just received some seed funding of, I guess, around the tune of $7.5 million to, I guess, develop that idea out. And I guess maintain these high transaction fees on the main chain, which is really a headache. This is really not a good thing for for new people. Can you imagine a new person <laughs> uh, wanting to get some Bitcoin and then finding out to move the Bitcoin from the exchange to their wallet is, you know, upwards of ten to fifteen, maybe twenty dollars? That's not a good user experience. We don't have enough exchanges using Lightning. So, let's talk about this. Everyone is looking forward to the bull run. Everyone is expecting when the happening arrives that there's going to be a supply crunch, which is going to send the price skyrocketing. This is, if, if, if people haven't been that direct with you, that's what most Bitcoiners are kind of hyped about. They don't have any real proof that it's going to happen in that way other than, you know, it just seems mathematically, uh, you know, logical, right? It sounds rational, but we will see. We will see what will happen. But here's here's the point that I'd like to bring out, right? I want to shine some light on. So when the price skyrockets, what's going to keep the people in the Bitcoin space? Like what's going to stop them from cashing out? What's going to stop people from wanting to upgrade their lifestyles, upgrade their standard of living? What's going to keep them in the space? Right. Um, I propose that the reason why Ethereum even exists to this day is because they, they have something to do with the ethers. Even though Ethereum is not legal tender anywhere, as far as I know, it's not legal tender. People stick with Ethereum. Why? Because of what they can do with it. They can actually put their money to work. Right? Via DeFi, via the NFTs. Until this day, at least the NFTs have continued to generate transactions, financial transactions on their chain. Right? We, we can consistently look in the record look in the history of ethereum and you're gonna find groups of people right over and over and over again making life-changing money dealing with ethereum DeFi, and nfts that's what we see and again as opposed to the people on ethereum running running out as soon as the price jumps they stick around with ethereum again uh, when the price jumped to 60000 for Bitcoin, anybody that had any kind of Bitcoin at that time, many of them cashed out, right? Especially if they were holding on to it prior, right? If it went up five times, you know, whatever it was that you had, I'm sure people went out and bought cars, homes, you name it, right? Paid some school tuition, paid some medical bills, you name it, right? 
Now, again, I know many of you are already just kind of saying to yourself, I wouldn't do that. I would not sell my Bitcoin regardless. That's great. That's good to know what you would do. But you've got to always remember everyone is not thinking like uh, a person who wants to live on a Bitcoin standard. Many people are using Bitcoin as a hedge. Right? So now if you've got these suits who are not necessarily interested in liberating the people or freedom or any of that sort of thing, and it's a purely financial play, and they are the big whales that are coming into the space, it's purely financial, what is keeping them in the space? What's keeping their, you know, their energy in the space? Nothing. So that's why, right, I propose that we start to consider uh, that we need an anchor in the Bitcoin space to keep the people, you know, in the space and engaged in the space. They need to be able to do something with the Bitcoin. People always ask, what can I do with it? What can I buy with it? I know we're all pushing for, let's make it legal tender so people can go into brick and mortar and pay for their food, clothes, and shelter, right? Pay their bills. But... Ethereum doesn't have that, and they've they've mastered this issue that we haven't seemed to be able to get a handle on. And it is an issue, folks. It is an issue. We do not have an anchor. Right, or at least the people don't recognize NFTs or DeFi as an anchor. But let, let's move it forward. Right, I don't want to become too redundant with that. I heard uh, Parker on what Bitcoin did, right? Same podcast you guys can check out, Javier Malay, the new president of Argentina, right? What Bitcoin did. Parker was talking about a lot of things. I really only listened to the last portion uh, as he was talking about Nostra. And I was happy to see that he had his own ideas. Uh, He is not a proponent of Nostra, and that's great. I don't like to be in echo chambers. I love Noster. But uh, if you have something to say, you know, critical, I don't I don't take it personal. And I'd like to, you know, kind of delve in on some of the ideas that he presented. Right. As far as uh, why is it that he doesn't support Noster? Because for me personally, I think it's a great tool for orange filling. He doesn't feel that way, but I do. However, I do want to talk about one thing he said. He referenced a meme that you guys are probably all familiar with. Do you have you guys ever seen the meme of Noah's Ark? Right, it's got the Bitcoin B on the Ark, and you see the people that are on the rock, and the Ark is kind of taking off in the waves, and the people are kind of calling out to get on the Ark. Right, they missed their opportunity. Right, he referenced that meme. And I love that meme because I can relate to it. Um, In the meme, the the, first of all, this is an esoteric story. So there's a there's a lot of hidden meaning in this story, right? You can pull a lot from it. Uh, Keep in mind, this is kind of that Abrahamic coming from the Abrahamic traditions. So if you're not familiar with any of that or you don't prescribe to it, bear with me. This story is about 
right, prior to the flood. So this means there's giants, right? This means that there's angels and there's people living, you know, hundreds of years. I believe Noah, right, lived seven, eight hundred years. So this is that, that era. This is that epic. You get me? <laughs> if we want to call it that. It's almost like uh, mythos. Anyway, in the story, uh, Noah is the one who builds the ark. The earth is then flooded. Everyone dies except for the people and the animals on the ark. All right. In Bitcoin terms, we reference that flood as the flood of dollars, right? The flood of fiat and inflation. Okay. Now, in the story of Noah, if we kind of follow through with it, we will find that they were there, I guess, what was it, a, a year or so? Which doesn't really matter. But towards the end, right, I don't want to, we don't need to hang on to how long they were sailing around on the ark. But uh, what we do want to get to is the very end, right? There's some symbolism that I want to point out. So Noah, uh, before they could get off the ark, he sent out some birds to see if the earth was dry. All right. And at some point, they come to the conclusion that the earth was dry and they went on ahead and got out of the ark. Right. It landed. They get out. And then there's this moment in which God interacts with Noah and explains he's no longer right going to flood the world and that this is a covenant he's going to make with the entire earth all the animals and all the people okay all the animals and all the people so this isn't a particular group within the abrahamic tradition but everyone right i love that part because i think that's relevant to bitcoin too this is for everyone now, what would be the symbol of this covenant was a rainbow. You guys remember that in the story? It's the rainbow covenant. Now, the rainbow is an interesting concept, right? The rainbow. You guys know what a rainbow is. Obviously, it's when light hits water and creates a prism, right? You get the the lights, the color spectrum, which is cool, right? Let me kind of, let me kind of add some more texture here because this rainbow and this symbol, um, Bitcoiners haven't gotten there yet. Like I said, I think it's shrouded in mystery. Let me, let me bring out another concept that I think will give us the texture that we need to really comprehend this, right? This esoteric story of Noah. So let's take it to the east. You guys familiar with the Buddhist tradition? Uh, out of Tibet, there is this practice called, what's it called? I don't know the actual name, but you guys can look this up. Look up the rainbow body. It's a Tibetan Buddhist teaching. And it's about, you know, spiritual transformation. The rainbow body. It is a Buddhist a Tibetan Buddhist tradition. Now, what happens during this spiritual development, there are three levels to it. All right. 
there's three levels of development in this practice. And this is, now I can kind of bring it into the Bitcoin context, right? So we don't get too far off. I would say, you guys, that there, I've gone through three stages of evolution since I've been in the Bitcoin space. And I mean that. On the very basic level, it's self-custody. There's so much that can be said about self-custody, whether we're talking about for the individual or just the technical know-how, right? To properly self-custody your Bitcoin. You guys know I recommend the Jade Wallet. I think it's cutting edge. I think it's the best on the market. And it's a, it's price right. Second stage of development. This is being a node runner. The node running, again, so much can be said about this. Essentially what you are doing is you're now able to validate your own transactions and host your own wallets. It's great. I would recommend you guys, I have Umbral, so I would recommend you guys pick up an Umbral for that, right? Especially when you're ready. Get yourself to that level where you're ready to start managing lightning channels, etc. Right? You can even back up and back up your Noster notes on your Umbral. It's great. Uh, but then finally, right there again, there's three stages to this rainbow body, right? In this uh, spiritual practice. On the third level uh, is when the magic happens. So in this tradition, when these Buddhist masters, these monks achieve this highest level, what happens is, is when they transition, right, from this life to the next, what happens is, is a, a phenomenon of a rainbow, a real life rainbow happens. Uh, sometimes these people have been, you know, it's been documented that they completely disappear. Right, we've heard about stories like this where people didn't actually die. Like uh, we'll say from a biblical perspective, you got folks like Enoch, right? Or folks like Jesus who were turned into these light beings, right? Now we've already kind of covered how you get a rainbow. Rainbow is just light that hits water and then you get the prism. So I think we have one in the same concept here. Now for me, the rainbow is the NFT or the art. It's something that I think is beautiful. I think it's something that everyone can appreciate. Unlike, we'll say economics. I don't think everyone can appreciate economics. Uh, I don't think everyone can appreciate, you know, coding. I don't think everyone can appreciate politics. Now, I think there are people that appreciate them, and I think that there are people that appreciate all three. I'm one of them. But I've noticed in mass, right, especially when I'm talking to people about Bitcoin, for them to not fall asleep, <laughs> right, I need to make it quick. Because they're just, they're just not there. However, uh, art seems to be able to go a lot further. It has a greater reach. Plus, I'm, I'm able to 
you know, the artists themselves are able to encode a lot of the ideas and the principles that we would, you know, normally just want to kind of talk out, right, verbalize, right, write it in a book. You guys follow me, right, speaking on a podcast. The art goes much further. It breaks all kinds of barriers. I also think it's a more positive story, right? You hear people that are stuck on that basic level, right? And I still think that a person can evolve to a degree of, uh, you know, we'll say self-realization on that first level. Like I said, there's there's degrees of uh, spiritual development. And just because you haven't reached the highest doesn't mean that you haven't achieved a degree, you know, worth appreciating. So again, if you have gotten to the point where you know how to self-custody your Bitcoin, that's awesome. But that's level one. And I think that it's a shame that many people are stuck there after being in this space for years. They're stuck there a lot of the time, not by choice. They're kind of stuck there because of the influencers. Right, because the influencers aren't necessarily trying to take their audience any further right they're probably not really a bitcoiner themselves they're not really trying to investigate the space any further or if they are it's all kind of just speculative right they don't necessarily use the products they don't actually use the software they're just kind of interviewing people and you know the people are on their podcast promoting or on their webcast, whatever they've got going on. The point being, you've got to get past the kindergarten stage. And that's where we talk about the nodes. All right. We'll say this is high school, college. Right. But you can't stay in school forever. <laughs> now, if you do, that's OK. Right. If, if, if the furthest you get along in the space is running your node, you're awesome. Right, you're absolutely awesome. Don't get me wrong, right? We need you to help decentralize the space. So you're awesome, right? You're actually contributing in the space as what we normally refer to as a power user, all right? But it's this next level, folks, where you're now kind of co-creating. I still think that DeFi has a role here, but I think it's less than the NFTs. I think the NFTs are gonna have a greater impact on the space than DeFi. I think DeFi is powerful, especially the peer-to-peer. If you're not familiar, I would uh, tell you guys to go check out Hoddle Hoddle. Right, this is where you can do peer-to-peer DeFi with your Bitcoin. Check it out if you're interested. Uh, But again, for me, I think a more how should we say, a beautiful representation, right? Because this is all about narrative. What is our narrative as Bitcoiners? Is it just the uh, the doomsdayer, right? The world is collapsing due to fiat. Get on Noah's Ark. And uh, we're just going to kind of wait it out here. And when you guys are all dead, <laughs> we're going to kind of come out of the Ark. And then what? So like I said, I think it's more important that we as Bitcoiners start to show the potential or the possibilities of a Bitcoiner, right? Follow me on this. The possibilities of a Bitcoiner are endless. 
right? In fact, if we truly believe in what it is that we're talking about, we represent, you know, that recreation of the world, right? We're, we're remaking humans at this point. We've been tasked with the job of making all new Bitcoin babies, <laughs> right? And no one wants to be a bland baby. No one wants to be a part of a bland thing. You know, a part of that word, or I should say another way of describing that word recreation, right after the flood, is recreation, spelled the same. It should be fun. Right? Politics, um, economics, right? Coding. I'm not sure how fun that is, right, to uh, an outsider. But we've got to have some degree or some form of fun for folks, especially young folks, to want to engage in. This is, again, where the NFTs come in. Right? It's your energy, your Bitcoin, put into this particular space, i.e. into liquid and into Bitcoin art, this content. I think that this is showing the people of the planet Earth the possibilities of a Bitcoiner. And yes, we should have more Bitcoiners that are, you know, making life-changing money. I'm not ashamed to say that. What I think is a shame is that you've got all these Bitcoiners with no funding. Everyone is being so self-righteous in the Bitcoin space that we don't have any funding, right? Everyone is so self-righteous in the Bitcoin space that people don't even buy the narrative, right? They really think that the narrative is just too much, it's too extreme. And I don't, I don't blame them for that. On top of that, many of them don't see how they're going to make any money. So why would they invest, right? They're into making money. They're not into, oh, this is freedom tech. Cool, let's let's change the world. Everyone is not into that. And let's be honest about that. Now, I still think that we're going to change the world regardless. Right? Whether people want to help us change the world or not, Bitcoin will change the world. However, I do think that especially based upon the narrative that I've been hearing, they really are lame. Let me just put it out there. Uh, the, the narrative that we've all kind of gathered around, which works for us, is lame for the masses. We're going to have to change that, especially if we're trying to bring about Bitcoin adoption. In my opinion, this is my narrative. I think this is going to be the way, right? I'm on Noster. I know that some folks feel like social media will be the way and I'm not against that right especially with regards to what we're doing here uh, between content creators and patrons right artists and patrons I think it's imperative that people start building relationships patrons and 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 the artist there needs to be a genuine connection there right open lines of communication so that a relationship can be built, right? So some rapport can be built. That's That's gotta happen. So I love Noster for that purpose, right? As far as uh, truly building out community, 
But at the end of the day, uh, I think that <laughs> NFTs will be the way in which people are brought into Bitcoin on a mass scale. I pointed this out many times before, but I'm not the only one to think this. Right? I'm not the only one to present this idea. In fact, it was presented almost 30 years ago. Was it 30 years ago? <laughs> uh, I think it was 93. How Finney talking about crypto trading cards as a means to get people involved with right the, the crypto money, right? Bitcoin. How to get people involved with it, how to get them to start using it. He suggested this, he recommended this and said it would be great fun. Now this brings me all the way back in my personal life. This brings me all the way back to the community center, right? When I was a kid and when we used to play Magic, the gathering, right? Before there was ever an exchange that lost all those people's money, there was the card game. And we used to play that at the community center. And that was one of the main reasons why I even went to the community center. It was because I knew that my buddies would be up there and we'd be able to trade cards with each other buy cards from each other, etc, etc. Um, as a final thought on this, Nostra is again perfect, right? Because I love to say it, you, it's already primed. It's already primed for the NFT space. We're already ready to start playing the same game that we've seen played on Ethereum, that we see people trying to do with ordinals and inscriptions. Right, or any other way in which people are doing this, we have an opportunity to do this. Everyone, especially those of you on Noster that do the Zapathons. Now, if you don't do Zapathons, if you don't have a wallet set up on Noster, I'm not talking to you, right? This is probably not a message for you. But those of you that engage in the Zapathons and get it, then surely you can understand what I'm describing now. It is a perfect way for people that don't have any Bitcoin to kind of come into the space, create some art and earn some Bitcoin. Right. For those of us that are collectors that are, you know, utilizing some sort of a strategy, right, applying some sort of a strategy. It's a great way for us to actually start, you know, making a living as a reseller. That's going to be important in the future. Right. What can you do with your Bitcoin? Again, ask people, what are they doing with their Ethereum? Ask them. Right. You ask people what they're doing with their Bitcoin. <laughs> what are they going to tell you? OK, then. So, again, I'm not going to lie. Right. I'm not going to lie. I would be very straightforward about this. I've been making all these rainbow references and. As a final reference to that rainbow, of course, uh, we're all looking for that pot of gold at the end. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'm not going to be shamed into the fact that I'm trying to stack more Bitcoin and how I go about stacking more Bitcoin. There's no shame in doing, you know, good business. And I've been talking about this. It's, it's kind of beyond the business. But if we want to talk about business and what kind of business this is, we're really talking about the culture. I've uh, I did an episode 
a while back. You guys check it out. I think it's called The Mint. In that episode, I talked about how, you know, museums are kind of like central banks. And you guys know as Bitcoiners, be your own bank. But what they were describing was, was that, you know, they have, you know, all of this stuff in their museum. And that at the end of the day, all of this stuff is extremely valuable, right? It represents culture. Now, who owns the Bitcoin culture? Well, I think that it's through the NFT that one is able to, if there is such a thing as owning Bitcoin culture, this would be the way. And again, as a banker, this is valuable, right? This is this is an aspect of that kind of development. If you're your own bank, well, what do bankers do, right? What is the point? As a banker, you should be funding the arts and the sciences. That is your obligation to the people, right? To the society, to the community. So just a couple of ideas, like I said, a different narrative, a more positive narrative, right? A, a what I feel would be a much more constructive narrative. If it's resonating with you, you guys be sure to follow, subscribe, give it a thumbs up. Uh, we also have the group there on Noster. Make sure you join. It's called Digital Arts. One word, Digital Arts. They're on Noster. It's a community. Join the community. And let's get it rocking, people. This this whole thing about everybody else is, you know, doing exciting stuff. And we're just kind of going to our fiat jobs and stacking sats, right? Smash buying. It, it's it's tired guys it's tired I know I can barely stomach it at this point right and, and the whole idea of the, the doomsday the gloom I, I've really had it with that right I really don't want to hear any more about how the world is going to blow up economically in the next year two years three years four years I just don't want to hear it <laughs> that's going nowhere as far as narrative is concerned there's so many more positive narratives out there that people have just closed their ears to Bitcoiners and have decided to go off. And I mean, I, many of them would just rather live the lie of Ethereum, right? Because it's a much more positive narrative and they're getting more out of it. Let's just state facts as facts. What are they getting from their participation in Ethereum? If it was a constant rug pull, there would be no one there. Right. But because there's this flatlining in Bitcoin or this extended bear market in Bitcoin, how do you draw people in other than trying to doomsday them to death? <laughs> right. Or then or, or if you don't want to doomsday, you're more intellectual than that. You're going to talk politics. You're going to talk economics. You're going to talk coding. Right. Again, I don't need to tell you <laughs> how difficult that is to talk to a normie about. But the minute you start talking about how someone can make some money, which is how most of you got here, now we're going to have a conversation, aren't we? Let's be honest, folks. How did you get here? Did someone politically talk you to death? Economics talk you to death? 
coding talk you to death or did they talk, did they show you a chart and you saw someone was making money and you weren't right <laughs> it's going to continue the same folks in my opinion so it's about time right it's about time all the signs are there it works it draws people and it's an opportunity for people to change their lives right to really find financial freedom many people are talking again about you know so and so is into making more fiat he's not actually into freedom and i would i would respond to that and say you can't have freedom when you're broke right you don't have much freedom when you're tied to your fiat mind so let's be honest let's be real right and and like i said folks if you're if you're wondering where i do my nft thing at it's raretoshi.com you can check out my collection there i do have the largest one right check it out all my links are there on Noster. you can see it there in my profile and yeah folks I've been wanting to kind of bring this episode to you, but I've been kind of sitting back watching the space, just watching things develop and seeing where everyone is at with their opinions. And I have noticed, unfortunately, most people have not figured this out. They have not figured this out. The anchoring right to Bitcoin. Again, some folks are trying something right, i.e. Noster. Right. And there's some other things out there, I guess. Right. Hoddle, hoddle. But in in mass, no, this this really this really has to get figured out pretty soon. And I think I have. I think I've I went on ahead and and, and moved on it. Right? You guys realize I'm not telling you something that I haven't done already. I'm actually uh <laughs> I'm the embodiment of my message. So it's not a contradiction, it's not me just kind of saying something and doing something else. No, no, no. Uh, nor is this something that I came up with yesterday. If you look at my collection, you'll notice there's more than 400 pieces there. Uh, this has been two years in the making as far as that collection. And my prize pieces are the two series, the Cypherpunk and the Bitrunner. For me, the reason why they're the most valuable is because they capture the zeitgeist of our time, right? The cypherpunk is the movement. You guys know that's a social movement to bring about, you know, more privacy and freedom online, seeing as that's where everything is. And then the bit runners, which is more like the second generation or us. Right, the folks that actually are the salt, if you will, of the earth. The people that decentralized the network, that put forth, you know, laid it down. I think we are all legends. And I think that those two series kind of capture that. So that's why I did what I did, right? That's why I chose that particular series to be a patron of, those two series. And here's the good news, folks. It's not over for the Bitrunner series. Uh, I believe Alex, who is the artist, has a little less than, I think, 50 to go. I think he's all the way up to about 160 now, and there's 210 
total characters. He does have some other pieces there too. So again, I say all that to say that you can actually engage as well because it's happening in real time. His creation is happening in real time. He is not complete. So if you want to get a piece of that, I recommend you do just in case it catches on. Right, as Satoshi said, you should probably get some just in case it catches on. Definitely don't want to be the one that didn't tell you. <laughs> right, I want to have a clear conscience as far as that's concerned. I made sure to... Uh, you know, to get my fill first, you got to take care of yourself first. So I definitely went on ahead and made sure that I'm properly positioned. But now it is time for me to make sure that you guys are aware of, again, the possibilities of a Bitcoiner. All right, guys, to support the podcast, pick up some art. My profile there on Rare Toshi is Bitsy, B-I-T-S-I. Pick up some artwork to support the podcast. You'll be supporting the artist as well. I want to thank you guys for your attention. This is probably one of my longest episodes. So I definitely thank you guys if you listen to the end. And I'll catch you on the next episode. You guys take care. Peace.